You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. What an exciting, exciting night. Uh, thank you all for joining us tonight. I have an amazing guest, an amazing co-host, and an amazing producer in studio as well. Um, but, but I'm going to, before I, I go into that, I just want to uh, welcome all who are, who are coming back to Morph Mom Moments and to thank you for those who are new tonight to Morph Mom Moments. And a, just a quick, and I promise you a very quick introduction into what you've gotten yourself into tonight. My name is Kathleen Smith. Um, I'm the founder of Morph Mom. It's M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. Um, basically, I was a prosecutor in a former life, had my kids, couldn't go back to work, couldn't figure out what to do. Rather than reinvent the wheel, I thought, why don't I go out and capture all the stories of women out there who have done it, whatever it is, who could share the stories, the steps they took, the steps that didn't work, and sometimes I think those are the most important for others to hear, and connect those with women out there trying to figure out what to do or who knew what they wanted to do and just needed a little bit of guidance or support. So the Morph Mom community began. The movement began. Uh, we have a website with videos from women all over the country, I mean all over, um, all over the United States. Uh, we have since, I write for the Huffington Post, and you can read their stories there as well as a contributing editor. Um, we have this radio show, which is really fun. We have conferences, we have classes, and we have something coming up. Stay tuned called the club. And that's, I'm going to leave that out. There's a teaser. So you have to go to the website to find out more about it. But most importantly, as I said, we have the ability and the, just, just the greatest gift of all to meet these amazing women all over who are so generous and kind and sharing their stories and sharing their journeys and just 
just inspirations to us all. And that's exactly who I'm sitting next to tonight. My amazing guest, Susan Spencer, um, who is the editor-in-chief of Women's Day and is also an author, the author of When Action Follows Heart. And it's an absolute honor to have you here tonight, Susan. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's it's really is an absolute <laughs> thrill. And my co-host, Seema McGrath, um, on the way in tonight, we were talking about how we remember, I mean, ourselves, obviously, reading Women's Day all the time, but growing up and always seeing Women's Day with our mothers. And beyond that, my grandmothers always having Women's Day. I mean, it's been a staple in all of our lives. It's 80 years old. We just had our anniversary last year. So, yeah, it's been around for a long time. We're definitely a legacy brand. It's so exciting. And actually, Susan, it's funny. I I, I mentioned this to Susan before and to Seema. I... um, I uh, did a little bit of research on this, and I, if I have my facts right, it was first published in 1931 That's at AMP. Yeah, mm-hmm. the AMP supermarkets. They put it out as a recipe card. So just as you go to your supermarket today and you find, a, you know, a little thing, lots of recipe ideas. That's what they did, and then within I think five or six years, it morphed into an actual magazine. Fascinating, right? Yeah. And then eventually, and it was free at first, right? Yes, Back it was. in 1931. Yep, yep. So. Well, and then I think, uh, again, I read that in when it was first published in 1931, it was more focused, or was it focused more towards recipes? Yes, it was, and- it was all recipes, and then it morphed into a magazine. I'm using the word morphed because I'm here. <laughs> Which I fully appreciate, right, by I, the way. I, awesome. I'm helping. <laughs> and endorse. <laughs> right, a little endorsement there. Um, it, it became a magazine that focused on um, everything from recipes to health to issues, um, you know, really a magazine for really all women. And that's exactly what we are today. And I actually have an early copy of the magazine that I often look back at. I think it was actually from maybe 1933 or 1934. And it's really not that different from what we do today. I mean, obviously, the pictures are a little bit different. But, um, you know, we still cover all these same topics, you know, because this is what interests women. Women care about their families. They care about their communities. They care about their friends. And they care about, you know, getting dinner on the table quickly for their family. They care about health. And all of these things have, you know, have been staples of, of journalism for women's service, women's service journalism for many, many years. And we are definitely continuing in that tradition. It's almost similar to sort of our pursuit in making these connections. Yes, so right. How, how do you connect and on how many different levels you can connect on? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like what somebody needs to connect on, you can find it out there. Right, exactly. Right. Um, so so I, I've done the introduction and, and uh, that you have this amazing position and I just revere so much what you do because as I said, what you put out there helps so many people. I think over 60 million people, right, to be, right. as a matter of fact. Right. Well, I, I, can't, I can't say 60 might be a little bit too much, 20 million. <laughs> we'll bring it down a tiny bit. <laughs> um, but how did this all begin? Like, tell us about your journey and, mm-hmm. and how you even came into this role. Well, I, I, you know, grew up outside of Boston and went to college and came out of college with absolutely no idea what to do <laughs> whatsoever and um, ended up doing a, um, a course in publishing that was both about magazines and books. Books. And I, I went into the course thinking I would go into book publishing because I love to read, I love to write, and came out of the course very much wanting to do magazines. I think books were a little bit too slow for me. I love the idea of, of publishing a magazine on a weekly or monthly basis. You did a lot of work mm-hmm. and it, you saw the immediate, you know, the immediate grat- gratification. So I moved to New York in 1987 and got my first job at Red Book Magazine. 
and um, and sort of went from there. Um, I've worked in worked my entire career, which is uh, pretty much almost 32 years now in magazines. Um, I consider myself a survivor <laughs> because media has changed enormously. Um, I remember in, I think, my third or fourth job walking into an office um, of our research director, and he was sitting in front of a computer, and he, and he said, I, I want to show you this thing. It's called the Internet. <laughs> and I mean, literally. And he said, let me show you how, that, how it works. And I was standing there going, wow. And, of course, a few years before that, I also remembered the advent of the fax machine. So I'm very much dating <laughs> myself right now. But I've been around for a long time, worked in a lot of different uh, – from many different media companies, um, worked in um, different kinds of media. And um, this particular job where I've landed um, is the job that's sort of where everything kind of came together for me. I mean, it's – it's um, I love – I love service journalism. I love helping women. I love creating articles um, that that help women, that give them solutions. And I think that that's what Women's Day, as we were just talking about, really has been doing for, for 80 years. It's refreshing. Thank it really you. Is. It <laughs> is. really refreshing. And yeah. necessary. Right. We need it. Right. I think I mean, all women need to know. We, everybody needs a little boost. You know, yeah. you need a little help sometimes. And. When you got to Women's Day, what was your progression in the in that company? How did um, you- well, I was hired. I, I Women's Day is owned by the Hearst Corporation, um, so this was my third stint with Hearst. Red Book was owned by also owned by Hearst, and I worked also for a magazine in between called Diversion. So when I came back to Hearst for my third third go round, I was hired for this job. So I came in. Um, the magazine had been um, purchased from another company the year before, and I was brought in to really revitalize it. Um, and you know, the, the way I did that and the way, and I, I, when I say I, I shouldn't say I, I should say we, because I have an amazing staff and amazing team. The way we did that was really by figuring out who the reader is and really connecting with her. And I think that that's kind of the secret sauce in magazine making is you can't really make a magazine or create a magazine on a monthly or weekly or a daily basis that really is about you and what you want to do. You need to, you need to create a magazine that's about the reader and speaks to her needs and what she wants. And, you know, Women's Day is because we have such a massive audience. You know, our, our readers range from, you know, my 14-year-old daughter to my 80-year-old mother. I like to say that. <laughs> but And everybody in between. And so, and they're women who are not just in urban areas. They're all over the country. They're in the Midwest. These are, these are you know, real American women. And in a lot of ways, um, magazines and media don't speak to them. And we do. And we've really pride ourselves on really trying to talk to her and not to, um, you know, to me, essentially. <laughs> you know, I live in New Jersey and I'm a suburban mom, but I, I think, you know, my readers are not me necessarily. How do you, I guess, when you came in to revitalize it and make sure that that was the, the mission, how, how do you go about doing that? Like, how do you find out what the need is, what the want is? Mm-hmm. And it's so varied. How do you distribute that and accommodate so many different uh, wants it's a, and needs. That's an excellent question. I think um, one of the things that, that I learned it, during my career um, is that research is really important. And we, we've talked to readers um, up and down, you know, all over the United States. We've done dinners with them. Um, we've done qualitative and quantitative research. We've listened to them. We've tested things. You know, I get a lot of mail from readers. Um, we reach out. We, we see what they're now that the advent of social media, we obviously speak to them quite a bit on social media. But, um, you know, we, we talk to them and we listen to them and we hear what they want to say and we hear what they want. And, and I think that that's really how we, um, we put the magazine together. And that's the filter that we use is we hear their voices in our heads and 
in not a creepy way. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. <laughs> so you must use social media. A we lot. do. Yes, That's great. Yeah, we no, do. We j- I just started following you Thank on you. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Women's Day. Yeah. So when you go about doing this, so you listen and you hear and you say, okay, we're, so this is sort of the general topics we're going to mm-hmm. hit. Um, and I guess month by month, you sort of sit mm-hmm. down and say, okay, this month we're going to hit this, and right. next month we're right. going to hit that. Well, we always hit certain buckets. I mean, we, we, I mean, the magazine has certain sections that we have to literally, you know, create content for. Um, we we heard from our readers in the very beginning, and we know we knew this all along that that food and recipes hugely important to the Women's Day readers. So that's always been a big piece for us. One of the one of the areas where we've really focused our attention is women's health. And um, as we started to, um, one of the one of the things that Women's Day has long been known for is our involvement, and, our, and it's been a very kind of a missional thing for us is women's heart health, especially. So when I when I got to Women's Day, um, I, um, I I started on February first. And um, my publisher came to me on February 4th, and she said, you know, I, 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 need to, I need you to sign this. And I said, okay, what's this for? And she said, well, we're going to be doing an event in a week and a half, and you're going to be hosting it, and I need your, you know, your signature for, for the invitation. So I said, event? What? <laughs> and she said, yeah, it's our, it's our big event, and you're going to be the co-host, and we need you to speak. And, and there's going to be 500 people there. <laughs> and um, so literally on week two of my job, I was standing in front of five 500 people wearing a red dress, the Women's Day Red Dress Award. So, and it basically, it's, it's an event that we do every year that recognizes the people who are battling, um, the researchers, the doctors, the, the public health advocates who are battling, you know, who are basically bringing attention to women's heart health and, and trying to end heart disease in women. And heart disease is the number one killer of women. So, um, so we, um, so we did that. And as, and as I was standing there on, on that stage, you know, quietly trying not to panic, because <laughs> um, public speaking was definitely not my forte at that point. Um, you know, I, I looked out at this audience of people and I thought, wow, this is really important. And this is this is incredible missional work. And so we really started to dive a little bit deeper into the topic. And, and as we did, and we started, we started a new column and we started a, um, a new franchise for the magazine called the Live Longer and Stronger Challenge, where we follow and help five women improve their, their heart health. And as we started doing all of these things, we started to notice that our readers were all of a sudden, you know, health in the in the research was jumping to the top, and all of a sudden we're realizing that women's health is incredibly important to these women, and it was rating better in the magazine than food was. Wow! So, and I think that that you know sort of followed the trend in the last you know six years, seven mm-hmm. years about how women are much more interested in and following and more knowledgeable yeah. about their own health and their family's health, and there's much more information out there. Um, but what we bring to the table is that we're a trusted source and we know we vet and we fact check our information and, and we curate our information so, you know, that women are getting the correct information that's just right for them. So health has become a big, big piece of what we do. Uh, it's so, and it's so fascinating because, you know, you go to WebMD or you go to whatever it is, mm-hmm. you, you know, you leave the doctor's office and they say, now don't look this up online. Right. <laughs> and as you're at the elevator, you have 72 sites open. Right. You're like, wait a minute. Right. And, and I think that what we, what we, what we are constantly saying to our readers is that you can trust us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. Right. We are the experts. And I think that that's, that's something that's, you know, that magazines really bring to the table is that, you know, that, that, that real sense of connection and trust that, you know, people can, can really, you know, find out the right information from us. 
I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's whatever it is, but that trusted feel. It has to be a sense of nostalgia. Like Seam and I were talking about before, about your mom mm-hmm. always having it, your grandmother. I think going to it as a trusted source, mm-hmm. but also knowing like it's been a part of your mom's life right. and your grandmother's yeah. life. That's and yeah. like, it's been a huge mm-hmm. resource for so long, right. a trusted right. resource that I think that continuum is it's natural. Yeah. I think, but I mean, that's what we hope for. That's very much as an editor, what you want is you want readers who come to you, you know, thinking that this is the information I'm going to get here is information that's right for me. And it's going to answer my questions. It's going to give me solutions and not just in health, but in every arena. And that's, I think that that, that is sort of the, the key to, I think a a good magazine. And one other thing too, I think it was not just, like I said, the nostalgia part, but also in this world, like I said, you could get to the elevator, you know, three steps in and you have 70,000 yeah. sites open. There's so much and so many places that you can go to, mm-hmm. but it's very comforting to know you can go to just one. Right. I think that's huge. And we'd love to be that one for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, who would be your competition? Um, Prevention? You know, um, Right. Prevention is um, prevention is actually owned by my company, so oh. I wouldn't call it my competition. Right. I mean, prevention is 100% health. health. I mean, we have um, – I don't know whether we, we would call it competition, but our sister publication is Good Housekeeping okay. and um, owned by the same company. Um, another magazine that we've long sort of had a, a push and pull with is Family Circle. Um, you know, all, all of these are women. Again, I use the term women's service magazine. Yeah. It's a little bit of an insidery term, mm-hmm. but that basically that means it's, it's a magazine that provides solutions for women. I think what's also fascinating to you, as you mentioned this before, about the, the journey that, that Women's Day has stayed constant. There's yes. been no, with, you know, and a lot of magazines have been Absolutely. lost and a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, many things have been lost to online. Many things have been lost to other things, but you're still, you still look at that magazine when you're still, like I know when you go to the grocery store, you're still looking at the physical picture right. on that magazine and, and it's there. It's right. always there. And that you've navigated these waters and mm-hmm. you've maintained the presence mm-hmm. and you've maintained the reputation. I think Thank you. <laughs> you must be the longest living magazine. No, around. we. I don't believe we are. Um, but we are. I will say that one one credit that that I'm very very proud of, and I give my team full credit for this, is that we are the actually the number one selling monthly magazine on newsstands in the U.S. So, so we continue to to resonate with women, and I think that that's what really has um, you know really helped us. As editor-in-chief, and I'm sure many people are, you know, listening to li- listening out there. Again, we're speaking with Susan Spencer, who's editor-in-chief of Women's Day. Um, what does that role entail? So coming into this and revitalizing and maintaining that mm-hmm. number one position, what what does that entail? Well, I think people always ask me sort of what my day is like, and I have to my, – my day is like so many different <laughs> things, which is why I love my job so much. I mean, at any given moment, I'm I'm meeting with editor an editor to talk about an idea for a section, or I'm looking at a cover with my creative director trying to figure out if blue is better than purple <laughs> or purple is better than blue. Um, we're writing cover lines that go on the cover. Um, we're looking at images constantly. We're talking about how we're going to um, take a story and bring it to life visually. So, um, and then there's other things that, you know, many other things that we do that's more sort of bigger strategic. I, I work constantly with my publisher on um, on selling advertising and sponsorships and things like that. So it's, it's, a, it's just an incredibly, incredibly rich and varied job. Um, but I think that the constant is really trying to um, be as creative as we can to sort of figure out ways to bring information to our readers 
in ways that are going to entertain and inform them. And so that's that's the constant that kind of flows through everything that we do and or that I do. So I know that the, you there are contributors who can mm-hmm. who many can many write contributors. In. Yes. So again, for more moms, especially out there, and anybody out there trying to figure out your next step, and you'd like to write, like is that a possibility? How does, um, that, we, and how does it all work? We do use freelance writers. Um, mostly, I would say the freelance writers are in two arenas. First is health, and um, and if there are more moms out there who are interested in, in in who have experience in writing health health stories, then that is absolutely approach us. We also um, we also cover um, we also do features. We do a lot of stories about real women, and when I, and I always kind of laugh at myself when I use the word "real woman" because we're all real. <laughs> As I don't know, it depends on the day, <laughs> <laughs> right? So so we we cover we cover the stories of women who are doing things in their communities to make a difference to um, that are that are sort of um, grappling with various issues. Um, so all of these things often are brought to us by reporters around the country. And, um, and so those opportunities are also there as well. Mm. So, and we were talking earlier about sort of how making that connection, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody just needs that connection mm-hmm. in a pretty lonely world. Sometimes it's, you just need, you need to feel like there's something you right. can connect to. And yeah. I think these stories just provide a huge part of that connection. Right. I could not agree with you more. I think that I think that a lot of people right now are, are searching for connection and relationship. And I think that when they read a story about a woman who is grappling with a set of problems similar to theirs and they see how she came out the other side, I, I think there's nothing more powerful than that. I think it really makes a huge difference in women's lives. And I think the honesty of it too, like I was saying before when I was talking about Morph Mom and Seema knows this, like so a big part when I would do these interviews, I'd say, please tell me what went wrong. Please tell me. And not because I'm trying to like, you know, focus on that, but people need to know that others have gone through what they're going right. through and that exactly. not, you're not everything alone. is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there could be tons of obstacles mm-hmm. and some you're going to get over and some maybe not. And you have right. to reroute. And I, I think that's huge too about the stories mm-hmm. that you share. Yes. Right. Exactly. They're very honest. Yes, I think so. And, and we try to cover stories also that kind of touch on issues that are relevant today. Um, you know, we, we call them our women next door stories. So mm-hmm. while we, the magazine doesn't get political, while the magazine doesn't, you know, come down on, um, on the uh, either, either side of an issue, we do take on issues and look at them through the lens of the woman who's experiencing them. So for instance, a couple of years ago, um, we did a story about a woman whose son um, started out as a girl. And so it was basically through the mother's, through the lens, Mm -hmm. through her lens, how her, her daughter transitioned into, into a, into a boy. And um, it wasn't about him. It was about her and it was about her journey and it was about how she felt and how she came to grips with this, you know, huge change in, in obviously her son's life, but in, in her life as well. And um, it was a it was the first time a women's service magazine had covered had covered this kind of a story. We won an award for it, and and wow. I was a little worried when I put the story out because it, it's you know it was a little bit out there. The topic was um, this was before I think things were mm-hmm. you know much more talked about, um, and our readers loved it. They loved it. We got we got a lot of respo- a big response from from our readers, and they just and I think they liked it because they could relate to her. It wasn't about the tra- the issue. It wasn't about you know sexual politics. Yeah. It was right. about a mom's story. And you probably did it in a very soft 
way, you know, just we did it in a sensitive way, in an honest. That was the word I was looking for: sensitive way, honest, sensitive, and just yeah, put it out there. So that was that when when we did that story. um, I think that was in I want to say maybe 2014. It opened the door to a lot of other stories that were similar to that. We felt like we could take that step with our readers and try things that may on the surface be a little bit controversial, but um, again, it, it, it depended on how we approached it. And I think, and we've done that since, and it's it's worked pretty well. The presentation for us. sort of, is yeah, that. yeah. Well, it's staying true to what what the, what our audience wants right. to hear. Mm-hmm. It's they want to hear the woman's story. They don't necessarily want to hear about the politics of it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, I was about to ask you that, that this may probably had qualified as one of your favorite stories, but mm-hmm. like going back and all the years that you've been there, is there maybe a story or a column or something that um, really stands out for you? Well, that that particular story I was incredibly proud of because I felt like it was pretty groundbreaking. Um, the column that I love, and this ties into you know one of the reasons I'm here, <laughs> is um, is the column we started called the Kindness Project. And we, we noticed, um, you know, right around the same time when I when I was starting out at, at Women's Day, that um, we had a lot of people writing in and telling us about the good deeds that they did. And, you know, there was a lot of pride and a lot of um, just these wonderful stories. And I, and I said, I remember talking to my editors about it and saying, you know, we should really do a column on this. So we did. And I thought, oh, you know, this may sometimes when you launch a column, it, it lasts, a, you know, it lasts right. a year and then you ditch it or you try something different. It's constantly in this constantly evolving process. This column, we called it the Kindness Project, it took off. <laughs> we, were, we were like, wow, this is really amazing. We were getting incredibly numbers of, of submissions from, from people. It was one of the, um, the most read pages in the magazine when we, when we did research on the magazine. And we were like, wow, this is really hitting a nerve. And um, so um, last year, um, I thought I decided that I wanted to take the column and turn it into a book, um, which, um, you know, as you mentioned at, at the beginning of the interview, it's called When Action Follows Heart, 365 Ways to Share Kindness. And, and it's very much drawn from this column and the stories of, the, of, the, of women, you know, the stories that women have sent in to us. Um, so basically the book is, is, is um, a kindness a day, essentially. We call it a little mm-hmm. book of optimism. So there's one for every day, and you can um, – can skip a day if you want <laughs> or you could do two in one day but the idea is that it's 365 ideas and did you take any of the like you said they were inspired by mm-hmm. the column we we did take we did take some submissions from readers um and um yeah we we very much wanted the readers to be um to be represented in the book we also reported went out and reported a lot of of um, ideas a lot of ideas came from my own life um in the lives of my editors um so it, it has a very authentic feel to it. I think it's doable also. I mean, it's not, there's nothing uh, too, you know, outrageous about this. <laughs> These ideas are small and they're easy and we wanted them to feel, you know, not, you know, intimidating. Mm-hmm. Well, in a world where every single day there's something negative that yes. you can find, right. it's kind of nice that you have the option to go somewhere else where you know you can find right. something good, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a little bit of kindness. Yes. So, so tell us about how you, having been the editor in chief, and continuing to mm-hmm. be the editor in chief of Women's Day, you're now writing a book simultaneously. Like, how do you navigate <laughs> that? <laughs> that was it was um, it was a little challenging at times, um, but I had I had a lot of help on the book, so I ended up the the most time consuming part of it, I think, was pulling the whole thing together, and 365 
was a very daunting number <laughs> for, a, for a while. I got up to 100, then I got up to 200, and I thought, there's no way I'm getting to 365. And then it just, and then it just fortunately happened. And I remember the day when I got up to, I, I actually got up to more like 370. I was like, yay, <laughs> I did it. And, um, and it just making it, um, you know, making it feel cohesive and make sense. And that, that was the, that was the most um, time consuming part of it. So of and I, you clearly love all of them. Yes. But there, are there a few you'd want to share or a few yeah, you'd want to talk I, about? I, I, there's, there's many, many that I love in here. Um, some that come from, as I said, from my own life and some that are from our readers. One, the, the, the favorite reader one um, comes from a woman who, um, who, uh, had befri- who had a friend who was actually had stage four cancer and was, was dying. And um, her, she was bringing meals to her friend and really helping her out. And her friend happened to be a quilter. And um, without this woman knowing, started quilting, making a quilt for this woman's, she was about to become a grandmother. And so at the end of her life, um, close to the end of her life, gave her this quilt. Mm. So... Um, which was the last one that she created before she passed away. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's sad, but it's also kind of just lovely that these two women were sort of exchanging kindnesses. And I just love that because I think, you know, kindness is something that it it comes very naturally to some people and they just, you know, you you talk about friends or or, or women or or people, you know, who are very kind And, and to other people, you have to be a little bit more mindful about it. And I think one thing this book does is sort of, encourages people to be a little bit more mindful about mm-hmm. being kind about being kind and not sort of brushing it off and trying to incorporate it into your life and make it part of your day. So um, I don't know, the, 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 that story just really, really resonated with me. Um, another story that I, I love um, actually was was a, a woman, a woman I work with, another editor. She um she saw a woman who was parallel parking and really struggling to do it. And so she knocked in the window and said, can I help you? And the woman let her get in the car. And I, and I, for some reason, this one just really tickles me. Maybe it's because I'm terrible at parallel parking and I always want somebody to knock on my window and 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 not yell at me me out (laughs) and not yell at me. Exactly. And I'd say, hurry up or whatever it is. Um, so that, that one is, is, is fantastic. And, um, and then another one that ha- happened to me, I think the, the other thing that as I was, was writing the book and putting it together, I just became more, I guess, aware of kindness. You just become more attuned to it as you go about your life. And I would notice things like people doing kindnesses for each other, you know, in the subway or just out in the world. Right. And, it, and it, just, it just actually really kind of elevated my own life and made me sort of think a little bit more about how I go through the world and how I, how I interact with people. So I was on vacation with my husband um, out in Arizona, and I was driving a rental car. And I, I hate, almost hate telling this story because, you know, he always thinks, he thinks I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> so, and I was parking, and it was a rental car. The brakes were a little unfamiliar. And I happened to, not my fault, okay, it was, <laughs> Um, bump the car in ahead of me. And, you know, he's just sitting there on the seat going, oh, I can't believe you just did this. So I bumped the car. There was no damage. We all hopped out. The woman, there was a woman who was in the car. She hopped out. We looked the bumpers. Everything's fine. She was so nice about it. You know, she was so nice. And she, she didn't get mad. And she just, she was, everything was fine. And she didn't make a big deal. And so 
and you know, if it had been in New Jersey or New York, oh, I don't know what would have happened? <laughs> Insurance cards, and, I police. know, I know, police. It would have been terrible. So we were at, we were near a supermarket. I went into the supermarket. We were buying some groceries, and I bought her a, a gift card, and I left it on her, on her windshield, and I just wrote a note and I said, "Thank you for being so kind." So that made its way into the book as well. And I don't know whether I would have quite thought to do that if I hadn't been working That's on this. Yeah. And it so it, it it kind of goes to the idea of being of just again being mindful of really thinking mm-hmm. about you know kindness and making it part of your life and 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 how how that makes a difference in other people's lives and how it and not just for other people but for you also for you personally i think it just you know it really resonates it's a beautiful thing yeah it really is yeah it is and i guess it also makes you more aware also when you were saying you know some people are you would describe them as kind mm-hmm. and others you may not necessarily describe as kind but it maybe it doesn't come as naturally to them. But maybe you're more aware that some things that they do mm-hmm. are kind. It's just sort of shroud, you know, hidden more right, right. in what they're doing. Maybe it makes you, you have even to pull more it out. T- yeah, you have to like you're more in tune to seeing, or may- maybe you interpret what they're doing a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and you yes. find the kindness where right. maybe before you wouldn't have looked for it right, right away. Right, right, exactly. And I do think it's a ripple effect. Yeah. I mean, I really do. I mean, we talk about the ripple effect in other in other areas of, of the world, but um, we we tell a story in the in 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 uh, in this book about how a woman was on a subway and she saw a man having a panic attack and she recognized the signs that she went to help him. And then, uh, and then the other passengers who were in the car started being kind to each other. Like one man stood up and gave a woman a seat Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. And and I, I really, I think that that's so powerful. And we, when we think about kind of the world as it is right now, where there is a lot of unkindness and there is a, a definite lack of civility, you, you really sort of wonder what would happen if, if that ripple effect sort of, if we started that ripple effect mm-hmm. and, you know, people started, you know, thinking more mindfully about being kind to each other. You know, it's funny. They, they always say, you know, something you said to somebody could change their lives. Yeah. Like you may not even realize something you said, good or bad. I completely believe in that. Right. Could completely yeah. change their world. Like you mm-hmm. could have said something that made them so happy that something great happened later in the day, or you could have said something not kind right? and completely thrown their confidence. And as a result, right. something. So it's just fascinating what one word, one mm-hmm. act right. can literally change right. a life. Right. Right. Absolutely. But, but at the same time, I don't want people to feel like they, you know, feel oppressed by this, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> some days you wake up and you don't really want to be kind to anybody. <laughs> Let alone yourself or your children, or your husband or anybody. So one of the one of my suggestions for when you're in that mood <laughs> is um, is to almost automate mm-hmm. kindness. You know, you think about ways that you can um, make it sort of easy to do in the world. Like we, I do two things at home. I, one of the things that I do is whenever I go to whenever I go to the supermarket, I always buy a few extra cans of food. Just I just have them, and I have a a bin in the back of my car, and I throw them in there. And I I volunteer at a food pantry. Whenever I go to the food pantry, I bring. So it's just it's just easy. I don't even really think about it. Right. And so I just just they go from shopping bag to bin in the back mm-hmm. of my car to food pantry. And um, another thing that I do is I have a big um, big like a big sort of a suitcasey thing in, in a closet in in my house and. Whenever my girls outgrow some clothes or whenever I manage to go through my closet, I throw stuff in there. And I'd say maybe once every two months I call up 
you know, veterans.org or another Big Brothers Big Sisters, and I have them come up and pick pick up a big bag full of clothing. So it's automating it. It's like you don't even think about Mm -hmm. it, but you do these things, and um, it just makes and it makes a difference. And you get stuff out of your house too, which is also yes. right. <laughs> it's a good benefit. Yeah, it's a good benefit. Win-win. Win-win. Exactly. So you have you you have two daughters. I do. Yes. And as you were writing this book, um, were you sharing with them sort of what was? I, going I definitely into it? definitely was, and both of them actually contributed one each um, to um, to the book. My older daughter's contribution was to her suggestion was to take a post-it note and write the words "You're beautiful" and put it on a on a mirror in a public place, um, which I thought was kind of a sweet idea. And my younger daughter had one that was, it's just so simple and so completely perfect. And it, it's just two words, just smile. That's just it. Smile. Just doesn't smile. Doesn't cost anything. Doesn't cost anything. And just smile. Just and smile. Um, and I thought that was a, kind of slightly brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it is brilliant. As a 14-year-old, I wish she would take that advice a little bit more <laughs> often. But she's wonderful. <laughs> So I noticed that you have a lot of post-its in your book. I do. I do. I always have post-its. Are those your favorite? These are some of my favorites, yes. And um, I'd like to, I think a few of the ones that I've already talked about are... um, are already are already on here. Let me see if there's a, a few few more ones. I mean, I I think a lot of times I, I think about, especially with my own daughters, about um, how you you raise a child who is who is not just kind but empathetic, or a mm. child that is you know generous, and and how you do that. And it, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's one of those things that you know people sort of say, oh well, they're born with it or they're not. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. I really think that you can. Um, you can raise children who are empathetic. I think part of it is is playing to their strengths. I mean, part of it obviously is modeling it and making sure that you're not, you know, going through the world, you know, in a unkind way and and showing that to your children. But also, it's it's also kind of playing to your kids' strengths and figuring out what they are good at and how they can share that in a kind way. So, for instance, if you have a kid who loves to draw, maybe you you know, encourage that child to make some drawings for, I don't know, some residents of a senior center. If you have a child who loves to read, maybe you encourage that child to read to a friend who, or to a younger child Mm -hmm. or something like that. And these are all, you know, these are all very small acts of kindness, but I think that they, they help children develop and grow empathy. Uh, And, you know, it's, 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 you know, my, my younger daughter is an incredibly, organized child and she is really loves to she's just very organized so one of the things that I do with her to help her sort of you know create empathy is I take her to the food pantry where I volunteer and one of the nights that we go you have to sort the cans she's really good at sorting cans she's really good at it so I take her with her so I'm playing to her strengths so she's I'm not forcing her to do something I'm I'm helping her I'm helping her do something that helps other people, but in a way that she feels confident in. And in a world like we were talking about with just every day, something else blows up, but just even in their lives, these younger Mm -hmm. kids with bullying and just all the mean Mm -hmm. social media stuff that's going on and how you help them to keep that empathy and to maintain the thought or the the idea to have share kindness yes. and not succumb to everything that's going right. on is huge. And how hard is that? Oh, I mean, it's, 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 it's devastatingly hard. I mean, brutal. social media is in, you know, so for, hard. for young people is just an incredibly difficult road to, to, to drive on. I've always told my children growing up 
when they were little, even as a 23-year-old, you don't have to be best friends with anyone. Just be nice. Mm-hmm. Just be yeah. nice. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be their best friends. Right. Just be nice. More authentic. Yeah. Too, I guess. Right. right. As long as you're, yeah. I think that's one step in this whole world because it's such, mm-hmm. again, with social media forcing these kids to be the, I don't know, whatever it is you're supposed to be and to maintain the perfect for social media and mm-hmm. maintaining the perfect friendships right. and the perfect whatever. It's not perfect. Right. It's not. But then, you know, I think they have a lot more to overcome than we did mm-hmm. with all of that. Oh, and then on top of it, like, I think that this book could not come at a better time for these kids. <laughs> yeah. The simplicity of kindness could help them overcome right, the, right. The, the social media nightmare that goes on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope so. I've, I've heard from a lot of moms that they've been sharing this with their children, and which was not something I actually anticipated I when that. I was writing writing the book. I guess I sort of was aiming it more at my, my readers. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've heard from a lot of people that... Um, that their children are, are really, because it's, it's, you know, quickly, quick and easy ideas mostly. Yeah. And there's a book out there. Um, my husband showed it to us, read it to us, or I mean, gave it to us. Um, everything you learn in life, you learn in kindergarten. Right. Yes. It's Robert Fulgham. <laughs> yes, right. He's yes. right. Yeah. amazing. Yes. Like just these one liners mm-hmm. and they're it's adorable. Yes. Well, and the similar thing would Very. be, I think the number one thing on that list probably is like just be kind. Be kind. Like, be nice. And I bet mm-hmm. that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's very, it's very simple, but, but I think, but, but hard for children right now. I, I think, think so. in a lot of ways, because I think, you know, and, and when we think about social media, I think one thing that's so important is, you know, it's not just them that are trying to put forward a, a perfect, you know, screen it's it's us you know yeah. it's us as moms that are you know what, you know it's it's they're, they're seeing what we're doing on social media also and it's and i think that you know we have a responsibility also to be authentic and and not try to sugarcoat everything mm. you know when you put up put up a picture or you know it's complicated <laughs> it is it's it's hard right it's yeah. really really hard yeah. we're talking about this just raising kids and it just gets harder and harder yes, and harder right but I guess when you look at this book and you bring it back to basics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is what gets it. you through, right? right? This is sort of your your go-to. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, you know, as, as I said before, I call it my little book of optimism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, raising optimistic kids is also is also important and, and, and helping them balance social media yeah. and helping them balance, you know, what happens in the real world. is It's a huge challenge for, for moms right now. And even when, like you were saying before, you know, you don't necessarily wake up on the best side of the, on the right side of the bed. And you're oh, I don't. Maybe, maybe you do, Kathleen. I, I, I can't say that I do. I see every single day is the right direction. But just, and, and, you know, you bear the weight of whatever it is. And then you're thinking about your kids and you're thinking about everybody. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like a simple thing, maybe like even going to the grocery store and helping somebody mm-hmm. should be be a way to kind of start to turn mm-hmm. things around just a little tiny thing so this book is sort of like the book you should have by your side at all times perhaps right. yeah I, I think so i think so too keep but it in the car right yeah, honestly <laughs> just right? refer to it constantly keep it in your purse <laughs> and and speaking of that again we're speaking with susan spencer editor-in-chief of women's day and author of when action follows heart how can people get this now incredibly important book well this is very it's actually incredibly simple thanks to the world domination of amazon <laughs> <laughs> Amazon.com. And it's also available in, in bookstores as well, Barnes & Noble and places like that. Yeah. And I would think just the ideal gift now to mm-hmm. give to people. Oh yes. Right? Yes. Like it, it's literally like a, a, a literal gift of kindness, yeah. but also a figurative gift of kindness. Well, I will, I will tell you also one of my colleagues um, 
uh, told me that she have you heard of these these things called little free libraries I don't know if you mm-hmm. have them where no. you live but basically they're these little kiosks that people put up on you know just outside on the street and they bring books and put them in and they're encouraged to encourage the neighbors to come and exchange books and take take books and um, read them, put them back. It's like it's literally called Little Free Libraries. You can look it up. It's an organization called Little, LittleFreeLibraries.org, actually. Um, we mentioned it in the book, but I, we have a couple in, in my town, and a colleague of mine um, bought one of these books and, and put it in into one of the Little Free Libraries, and, which I thought was just so wonderful because it just is really the whole point of this is to share yeah. this, you know? And um, so LittleFreeLibraries.org, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Now, on Women's Day, the, the column that mm-hmm. was going... The at, Kindness Project. The Kindness right. Project. Yes. Does that continue? And, mm-hmm. and do you sort of share... So is the book that made... Is that sort of combined now with the, um, with the column? No. I mean, the column continues. And we have new and fresh stories every month. Um, yeah. At this point, we the book, since the book was pretty much finished last year, we're on a whole other well, set of... Well, you do volume two? Yeah, well, no, I was just going to ask yeah. that. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. You or heard to the it ears here. of my publisher. <laughs> um, which was Hay House, by the way. Um, yeah. No, I, I think, I, you know, it, 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 that would, of course, I think we could we could hopefully come up with another 365 ways to kind one one would think that the kindness is infinite um you know it it may kill me but (laughs) so in writing this book and we talked about some of the stories like Simo was asking some of the the ones that really stood out to Mm -hmm. you but not necessarily necessarily the examples of the stories but was there something about just writing the book Mm -hmm. that that I don't know, maybe it was something hard or maybe it was something positive, mm-hmm. but something that you can relate to or, or share with others out there starting to write a book or starting to pursue a passion. Well, you know, I think that the book for me, this was my first book. And, and it because um, because the stories were so um, engaging and uh, so wonder, it was so wonderful to kind of kind of participate in these stories in a way, it kind of made it really um, a fun process. So I guess my advice to somebody who's writing a book, and I, this is not going to come as any great revelation, is you really have to be passionate about what you're doing and what you're writing about, because you really and you really almost need more passion than knowledge in a way, because the knowledge you can acquire as you go along, you can report, you can, you know, you can sort of interview people, but. But I think you really need to sort of feel a connection with what you're – if you're going to undertake a project like this, I think you need to feel a connection with this. And I, and I definitely did. I felt, I felt very connected to this. As I said before, it really um, made me feel um, more tuned to kindness around me. And, and I think that it had a, just a lovely galvanizing effect on, on my staff and my family, and, and it was wonderful. So, it, it, you know, to, to, the, to the morph moms out there who are thinking about a writing project – um, I think you need to really sort of have that connection to the topic. I think it's really important. So really everything you do, I mean, Women's Day itself, as we were talking about, sharing, connecting, it's a complete kindness behind that. I mean, just there's kindness behind what you do in general on a day-to-day thing. It's getting those stories out there, mm-hmm. connecting with people, sharing stories about those who have overcome things and mm-hmm. how to overcome and connect. So really everything you do on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis promotes kindness. In different ways. I, that is, I've never, I've never had anyone expl- say it that way, but I guess, yeah, I guess in it to a certain extent, you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, I think of it maybe a little bit more in a slightly more calculated way that what we're putting out is, is information, but the information that we're putting out is so that women can, you know, live, live a good life and sort of have, you know, joy in their lives and, and, 
and be able to find the time to be with their families. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time coming up with easy shortcuts for your household. You know, that sounds kind of trite and old fashioned, but guess what? That's what women want to know, because mm-hmm. if they can get dinner on the table faster, guess what? They get to spend more time with their kids. So, you know, I think we're, we're constantly sort of trying to, you know, like you said, make those connections and find those solutions for women so that they can, you know, live, live their best lives. I I do. I personally do see that as a kindness. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are different definitions of kindness also, right? right? So if it's made somebody's day a little bit easier, it's very kind. Or Mm -hmm. if if you've felt that you've connected with somebody, it's taken a burden off. So I think you don't probably don't even know the extent to which you've helped. I mean, I'm sure you do, but I think it goes well beyond what you've done to help Thank you. I I hadn't thought of it that way. It's really a lovely thing to say. Well, as a reader, and as Seema was saying, we were talking about before, like how it's just helped generations of women overcome Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have brought stories to the forefront that no one else was willing to do before Mm -hmm. has helped gajillions of people (laughs) on top of that. Mm -hmm. So that alone, I think, is groundbreaking. But again, I think it's kind. Right. I think you know. I think that the that the piece that that I'm most proud of and the work that we've done has been the work around women's health and and, I, and women's heart health because I do think that we um, women very much put themselves second in terms of their health. I mean, you know, there's there's the old saying: if you're the plane's going down, you yep. put you put the oxygen <laughs> on yourself. First. But guess what? You know, if I were on a plane going down, and I was sitting next to my daughter, I'd yeah, put it on her first. Hundred percent. That's not a good idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. So, so you know. So you know, I think that um, we've tried really hard to sort of give women permission to focus on themselves and their health and their health, and especially heart health, which is so deeply personal to us. I mean, the heart is at the center of our being. It, it, it's it's you know it's you know symbolically how we love people, but it also runs our body to a certain extent. Obviously, the brain is in there somewhere too. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's so it's so critical, and I think it's not something that women ever think about. You ever. Know? You, yeah. think, you don't think you're going to – you always think it's – you worry about your husband or the men in your life who mm-hmm. are working – you know, mm-hmm. I think that's your first instinct is to think right. and never think it's going to be you. Right, and right. Especially with the aging baby boomers, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah, right. Health is number one. Yes, it, number it definitely, one. definitely is. And, and you know, we're sort of at, at, at that stage now with, with women's heart health where, you know, women, I think, are aware of the, of, of the you know, what the issue is and they're aware that they have to pay attention to this. And um, but, it, but it's still hard. I mean, because if you, you know, go into your doctor and you've got high cholesterol, or you have high blood pressure, what's the doctor going to say to you? What's the first thing the doctor is going to say? He's going to say, you got to lose weight. Right. It's just that's what the doctor's going to say because that's really what you kind of need to do. But right. then you're kind of getting into an area that I don't know if I want a, doc- a doctor telling right. me that. And yeah, I kind of know I have to lose weight, but I don't. I don't know. Or I'm how. not going to go until I lose the weight. I don't yeah. want to scale in that right. office. Exactly. Right. It's very deeply personal. It gets the heart, heart literally yeah. of of you know who we are as women, what we think about ourselves, our body image. Yeah. So I think that I think that it's you know if if you go into the doctor and and God forbid you have a mammogram and they find a lump and you have breast cancer, you know exactly what to do. You you're on it, right? You know, you've got a, your doctor, you've got a course of treatment, you know, there's, it's fairly, fairly straightforward yeah. if you, you know, God forbid, get cancer or, or some, something worse than that. Um, with heart disease, it's just a little bit more emotional and complicated. So I think that that's where women get a little hung up. And that's where we have tried really hard as a magazine to sort of demystify 
the disease and and help women to make the right choices and 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 make sure that those choices aren't hard and that they can, they are doable and that they can be done and that heart disease is something that you can avoid and you can lower your risk with very easy changes so that's that's been our um, our mission very much in in the last in the last seven years. Now, I'm sure in all this time you've received testimonials beyond, you know, just <laughs> praising everything you've done. And I'm just curious, is there one that might stand out to you that, you know, some someone that was really helped by an article or whatever it was that kind of stands out to you? There may not be. I'm just curious. Because um, I know they're all equally important. <laughs> but. You know, I think, you know, when when we get when we get letters from from women just, you know, sort of saying that a, that a. I'm trying to think of a specific example, but just in general saying that it's, it's, they've been very helped by it. This is some, it's something that just makes our day. I mean, I got an email this morning by a woman who told me that she loved my July, August cover. And I, I was so excited and I sent it around to my staff and she praised the colors and she loved the idea and that, you know, just any kind of, you know, I don't know, nothing is, is jumping out at me right, right now, but you know, whenever we get a letter from a reader just saying that they enjoyed it or they had a, a, a moment where they, they loved it, could it's you, really fantastic. Could you share your uh, July cover? Um, yes. Well, it's you know, the July cover. It's very colorful. I can't over the radio, unfortunately, but you can go to your go to your supermarket um, or to Walmart or Target and purchase it. Um, and it's it's um, it's a very pretty image of. Um, some uh they're they're little ice cream sandwiches that are Aww. look like fruit and they're very sweet and cute and I think people I hope people will like it and like it and, and buy the magazine. You know, it's funny, I did sometimes we get um we do get mail from people who um are not happy with something we've done and and a couple of months ago, um we had a, a an issue where Doctor Oz was on the cover. He's fantastic and he's been on our cover three times and uh, really think he's he's amazing. He's done done a lot of great work with us. And we were doing a story about vegetables and how it's important to you know you got to eat your veggies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> really important ladies to eat those vegetables. <laughs> and um, I wrote in my editor's letter about how um, I you know love vegetables pretty much eat almost everything, but I really really don't like celery. Celery is the one thing that I just don't like. It's just you know we all have something right. we don't like, and. Um, I apparently have a lot of readers who really do like celery. <laughs> I got, all, I got, I think about 10 emails from people saying, how could you not like celery? And I, I like was celery gate. <laughs> celery, it was, it was, that's exactly the word I use celery gate. Um, but you know, I, so to well, any readers who are out there who like celery and who are listening to this, I apologize. Um, but I just still don't like it. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I I can't believe we're out of time. I would talk yeah, to you so forever much fun. about this. It was an first of all, Seema, thank you so much for my being my co-host tonight. And to Susan Spencer, again the editor in chief of Women's Day and the author of One Action Follows Heart. I I don't even know how to thank you for coming on tonight, for sharing everything that you did, for teaching us and all the list uh, me Seema, all of us, the listeners out there about. Just the, not just the importance of kindness, but just how tiny one tiny step of kindness can affect right. everyone. And I think it's just a huge lesson in today's society that we all need to remember on a minute-by-minute minute basis, not even day-to-day day anymore. I, I agree, and I want to thank you for your kindness and having me here. This was so much fun. Oh, it was, it was amazing. And, I, and we'll be, for those of you um, who want to listen to it again, I'm sure you all do, we're going to be up on a podcast tomorrow on iTunes. You go to iTunes Morph Mom Moments Podcast. Um, and again, you can go to Morph Mom Moments to the um, website 
to click on it as well. And again, Susan, it was an honor to have you. Um, for those of you listening also, our next conference is going to be October 22nd in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And uh, I, we're thrilled to announce that Susan will be joining us as <laughs> Which well. Which I'm really excited about. Thank you. <laughs> it was a big reveal tonight, but it's, again, another huge honor. Um, but again, thank you for everything. Everybody go out and get the book immediately when action follows hard. I don't have to tell you that. You've probably already ordered it while you were listening <laughs> <Please>. right now. <laughs> Um, and continue to enjoy all the lessons that we generation, generationally learn from Women's Day. And have a great night. I'll see you next week, everyone. Good night. Good night. Hi there, I'm Tim McGraw. One of the great things about music is how it brings people together. Kids like to hang out, listen to music, and talk about what's hot and what's not on the music scene. And playing instruments and singing provides a way for young people to get together and interact in a cooperative and respectful way. Kids who play in school ensembles understand that every part has to work together for the result to be the magical art called music. Your local school music programs provide a golden opportunity for your child to experience the rewards of learning music. Why not pay a visit to the music teacher to find out what's going on? Get your kids involved with school music. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, Gibson Musical Instruments, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education.